Father, I thank you that we come here, Lord, not only to worship you, but to look at your word, Father, and to hear your word, but also for your word to impact our lives, Lord, to the extent that we, Father, would be excited and that we would want to live it out with everything in our being. So, Lord, we ask that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, uh, just before we kind of get into this, uh, when we had the first service uh, during worship, I felt the Lord show me two significant things for this congregation. And it's like two words that is over you. And uh, I want you to grasp this and to realize this and actually to take ownership of it because it's significant not only for this church and the community out with these four walls, but also way beyond in your nation. And the words that I seen was authority. I think the Lord is placing an incredible deposit of authority within every single person in this room, in this church today. The other thing is influence. And I want you to understand that your influence is growing. Your influence is growing beyond, you know, Duluth, beyond even this state. And you get to be part of something really special that I think the Lord is doing here. You've got some amazing leaders in this church. You've got amazing leaders in Brenda and Michael and... uh, I think you're going to carve some really interesting history together as the years start to go on. But let me jump into uh, what I'm going to talk about this morning. I, I want to tell you firstly about a friend of mine. When he was a skinny 13-year-old kid, he wasn't very well built and he's at high school. And he has this other friend called George. But George had unwittingly, you know, upset some guys in their senior year. And so after school, him and his friend are being chased by these 17-year-old guys. But his friend George has a brilliant idea. He's like, let's hide behind this parked car. So he gets down behind the parked car. He closes his eyes. Bad mistake, okay? And then he hides, and as he's hiding there, guess what? The car moves away. (laughs) And of course, the end of the story is, is, (laughs) you know, the 17-year-olds get a hold of him and give him a thumping, Okay. So the moral of the story, or the thing that my friend learned, you know, that day was something very important. If something's moving, you had better learn to move with it. And the fascinating thing that we find about Jesus is, of course, Jesus is always moving. Right now, the Holy Spirit is moving in your neighborhood. Right now, God is speaking to people who are far away from him, maybe in your school, maybe in your workplace, maybe it's even your next door neighbor. And what he's actually waiting for is for his people to catch up with what God is actually doing. And we can sing, send your power, Lord, or send your power. And we can pray and pray and pray until, but until we actually go to where the Holy Spirit is actually active, we won't experience what we long to see as Christians. Because the infilling of the Holy Spirit is for the outgoing. Could you turn and say that to your neighbor? The infilling is for the outgoing. I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> you, see, you see, as I talk to people who don't know Jesus, I've discovered that they, they don't really care how much we Christians know until they know how much we Christians care. That's really the key thing. So my question to us is this morning, are we willing to risk? Are we willing to risk stepping out to do the things that Jesus did to have the effect on our communities that Jesus had even when those things seem impossible. Because the Christian life is full of impossibilities. We have been called by God to invade the impossible. It's who we are. We've been given this incredible, incredible privilege, 
to take what the Holy Spirit of God has actually given us and to go out into the public areas and watch what the Holy Spirit will actually do. And what I'm about to share with you this morning is our journey as a church and some of the things that we're discovering from the Bible and also from the streets as we attempt to live out this cause that Jesus has given to the church. Here's another profound thing that I've learned. Something's only impossible until someone does it. Isn't that so profound? Something is only impossible until someone does it. Let me paint a picture of that uh, for you. Uh, our first church plant was uh, in, you know, it's in Port Stewart, but they've moved to Coleraine because they've grown so much, led by a couple called Alan and Catherine Scott. And I can remember in the early days, we'd take teams over to help them, you know, reach the community and we'd be doing servant evangelism, but everybody was scared. The first day, everybody's kind of terrified. You ever been scared doing something for the first time? Isn't it? You know what that kind of feeling's like. They now as a church champion, a ministry called Healing in the Streets. It's led by a guy called Mark Marks. But I can remember when Alan, the senior pastor, first met Mark, his thought process was, you know, we don't see much healing actually happening in the church. So why should we expect God to do more outside of the church? So hold that picture in your mind. At the last conference that I was at, you know, for Healing in the Streets, Mark Mark makes this announcement. He says this, who has something that can't be healed? Because today we're going to reach for the impossible. Who's got something that can be healed? And someone stuck their hand up and said, I brought my friend here. My friend is deaf. Mark went, nah, we've seen God heal deaf. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) I'd settle for deaf. Deaf is good. Anytime you see someone. Someone else stuck their hand up and said, "Uh, I've got an eye condition. Mark went, nah. We've seen God heal eye conditions. You know, I'm looking for something that's impossible. Someone stuck up their hand and said, I have no eye. Mark says, you'll do. Come down to the front. And Alan, Mark, and 150 other people are crowding around this person and believing that God could give this lady a brand new eye. Doesn't that sound crazy? But yet, doesn't that sound like the Bible? Doesn't Jesus do the most crazy things and so do his followers? But here's the question. What happened to that group of people? In one picture, there's no room for it. You know, we're really scared and terrified. And the next picture, they're praying for someone to get a new eye. And they're also partnering with 640 churches teaching how to do this stuff in 21 different nations. What happened was they stepped out. What happened is they risked And they never gave up. And do you know what? They are just seeing person after person healed. I think at the last count that I can remember is something like between 23 to 25 people healed of terminal cancer. Incurable diseases being healed. Celiac disease, Crohn's disease, people in wheelchairs who walk. And it's amazing when you see someone and they're like that for most of their life. And then the next time you meet them, they're completely restored. The joy and the the freedom that that actually brings. They believe that if Jesus is at the center of it, then nothing is impossible. And they're out in their communities and beyond living out Jesus' cause in their lives. And I want you to understand that we Christians, you Christians sitting here, are actually meant to do the same. And God wants you to experience it. So let's have the look, a look at the effect of living out this kind, this kind of cause from a biblical perspective. And I want to share some stories with you of what we've experienced as a church while we are pursuing Jesus' cause. 
But the best thing I want to do as we look at this cause is at our national leaders meeting, our uh, national director's wife actually kind of summed up what the cause was, and we'll play that little clip just now. I did see the Lord Jesus surrounded by his disciples, and he turned round. I didn't see his face, but I felt it. And he turned round and he said, I am only asking you to mimic me. That's how this began. And what did he tell us to do? Preach the gospel to the poor. Recovery of sight to the blind. Liberty to those that are oppressed. And to have fun in the doing of it. The cause is to reach the lost, heal sick, drive out demons, raise the dead. But do you know the thing that I love what Ellie said? We're to have fun. It's meant to be fun. It's not to be meant to be scary. It'll always be scary, but it's actually meant to be fun. John Wimber was so helpful, you know, in describing how to live out the cause as he taught us how to do it. He taught us a thing called power evangelism. And he split that down into basically three areas. The human predicament where God meets someone, uh, divine appointment, and also power encounter, leading to healing, you know, deliverance, resuscitation sometimes, and ultimately salvation. So let's look at Jesus and his followers doing it. So if you've got a Bible, could you turn with me to Acts chapter 9? If you don't, we'll put that up on the screen, which is there already, and we're going to look at the human predicament. As Peter traveled about the country and he went to visit the saints in Lydia, there he found a man named Ananias, a paralytic who'd been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and tidy up your mat. Immediately Ananias got up, and all those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw them and turned to the Lord. He looked at them. Let's look at the story of Ananias' healing. First of all, it's important to recognize that Ananias had actually been bedridden for eight years. You may not be aware of this, but nearly every major you know, healing in the New Testament is a healing of a chronic condition. There are some summary texts, but the individual counts tend to be of chronic conditions. And it's important to note that Jesus is actually in the business of healing people who've had conditions over long periods of time. And the reason that I'm saying that to you is you start to pray for sick people, sometimes you come across a condition, you go, man, this is a really hard one. But what I want you to realize, it's not hard for Jesus, Okay might seem hard to you, but it's not hard for Jesus. Verse 35, it says, All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Two whole villages converted and turned to the Lord because of the healing of one man where God meets the human predicament. Can that happen today? Absolutely. I was asked to go and teach at a convention by our national church called the Church of Scotland, who don't have healing services as part of their normal service, but were exploring that. So they asked me to come on behalf of the vineyard and teach about healing. They asked another gentleman, uh, Canon John Gunston, from the Anglican faith, who wrote a book, A Time to Heal. And so we both gave a talk. But before I gave my talk, I said, so what you'd like me to do is teach on healing, and then we'll do healing, eh? And they went, no. (laughs) No, no, we want you to teach on it, but but what about do it. You know, we just want to look at whether we can do it. I said, yeah, but we in the vineyard, we teach it and then we do it. No, no, we don't do that around here, son. You know, we just want to, we just want to learn, you know, whether it actually happens today. And I said, but wouldn't it be so exciting if you've seen it happen today after we taught it? No, no, you can't do that. Eventually, <laughs> but you know what it's like? You're thinking, I've got, it's like you've got your gun with no bullets in it. You know, what's the, what's the point, you know? So anyway, they said to me, 
okay, if someone approaches you to pray for them, then you can pray for the sick. I said, that's fine. So done my teaching, room was full, and then everyone left except two gentlemen. And the one gentleman said to me, could you pray for me? I went, yes. You know. I said, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, my, my ankle is actually fused to my leg, so most people can actually flex their ankle. He said, I can't, so I have to throw my leg out you know, all the time. And it means that I'm really slow and I hold people up. So I'm always come into a room first and I always leave last so I don't block everyone coming out the door. And he told me that he'd had this condition for over 40 years. And I thought, boy, this is a hard one. I said, I'd love to pray for you. So I prayed for him. And within a couple of seconds, he just said, come, Holy Spirit, would you heal this? And his leg went, <laughs> I was, you know that loud, <laughs> the bones. And all of a sudden, his ankle had flexibility. And that was fantastic. He'd get up and he's walking about and he's trying it out and, you know, everything's great. And then I seen him the next morning saying, so tell me, how's your ankle? And he went, oh, I'm in agony. I went, oh, no, what's wrong? And he said, no, no, you don't realize. He said, I walked for about five miles last night just trying it out. <laughs> no, I was just so sore. But he's kept in touch with me and he said to me, he said, Jamie, he said, my church is growing, and my church is growing through conversional growth because all the people in the towns and the little villages round about are coming to see me, who was a minister who used to be crippled. They're coming to see the crippled minister that God healed, and they're having a realization that there is a God, and they're becoming Christians as a result of it. Does that happen today? Absolutely, where God meets the human predicament. Let me tell you another story about a divine appointment. It's found in Acts chapter 8 from verse 26 to 40. And this is the occasion where Philip meets the Ethiopian. So I'll pick it up at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now most of us just read that very kind of quickly, but I want you to think about that here. What would happen tomorrow if an angel of the Lord appeared to you and said, I want you to go down to Duluth and the main street and do thus and so? Maybe you think, oh, nah, come on, that's crazy. But hey, that's what happened here. And sometimes that happens today. Verse 27, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, do you understand what you're reading, asked Philip? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his, hum in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. As he traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized them. So here's a divine appointment where the Spirit of God organizes and orchestrates an evangelist and a potential convert. He puts them together at the exactly right time, right situation, at the right moment. Ethiopian church history actually tells us through this Ethiopian's influence that he's established the first Christian community, which led to the, taking Christianity as the state or country official religion. 
Does that happen today? Absolutely. We were in South Africa in a place called Johannesburg. And at that time, Johannesburg was actually being called the crime capital of the world. You know, and we were asked to go when we were there into a small area in Johannesburg called Hillbro to do a kind of mission. But they asked us to go there at night. So we prayed about it and we felt the Lord told us to actually go. And if Johannesburg is actually the crime capital of the world, then Hillsborough is completely a no-go area if you're white. In fact, the police don't even go into it. And when they do, they go in massive kind of convoys. It's predominantly Nigerian controlled from drugs and prostitution. And they said, hey, do you want to go to Hillsborough? But hey, we're going at night. We thought, okay. But before we went, what they said to us was, we want you to take off all your jewelry and just kiss your wife goodbye. And I'm like, really? Yeah, kiss your wife goodbye, because we don't know what's going to happen tonight. So we get into this combi van. I haven't met the guy who's going to lead the team, but eventually get to this guy's house, and he comes walking out the door with a six-foot cross, crams it into the combi van. We're all up against the window like this, you know. And then he introduces himself. He says, hi, my name's Sick O." I said, your name's what? My name's, I'm a sicko. That's my name, you know. And I'm thinking, Hillsborough, ultraviolent part of town, led by a guy with a six-foot cross called Sicko. This is not good. This is a bad sign. So we get to where we're going. It's a rough area, and they told us that statistics over a year is average out something like 14 rapes, and I think it was uh, 14 rapes and how many murders? I can't remember, at least one. Anyway, 14 per night. That was the average kind of amount. Certainly the night we were there, two blocks away, two people were shot dead, and there was four rapes in that area. So by the time we get there, to say the least, we're a bit apprehensive. I mean, in fact, some of my guys are playing tongues like they've never prayed in tongues before, to be quite honest. And they also drop us off right outside the hospital because the thinking was is when you get stabbed and when you get shot, you don't have very far to go to the kind of A&E kind of you know, area. So anyway, we start off and we meet this one guy in the street and some of the team give him a prophetic word. It impacts him so much that he gives his life to the Lord. Uh, it turns out the guy wasn't, you know, a believer. And we're thinking, this is a great start, you know. We've got a colored Baptist pastor with us, you know, at this time as well. And he's just about to have the, the most incredible night of his life. So we pray and we pray for this other guy. Now, this other guy's a, a drug addict and uh, he's been injecting intravenously but he also had a, a hole in his leg like a tropical ulcer and it was weeping you know this pus and things coming out and the skin was discolored it was a kind of purpley black all around it and it, it was just horrible and so we prayed for him nothing happened we prayed in the name of jesus be healed nothing happened we prayed every single prayer that we knew to pray and nothing happened and then one of our guys uh, in the team, you know, from Causeway, uh, Ricky, has this idea or he has this impression from the Lord, go and wash the guy's feet. So Ricky gets a bucket, we sit the colored guy down and we say, can we wash your feet? And Ricky starts to wash the guy's feet and as he washed his feet, we all stood and watched the flesh in his leg grow just like that over the, the hole in his leg. It became brand new. Well, Everybody comes out to see that. And I think I lost count after 30 people gave their life to the Lord because of the healing of this one man, this divine appointment. Do you know, does that happen closer to home? Absolutely. I was trying to find an American that was quite close to us to tell his story. And we've got a clip of Jason uh, from the streets of Glasgow. And I'd like to run that just now. 
Hi, my name is um, Jason, and I just wanted to tell you about um, a cool encounter that I had with, the, with, with God on the streets of Glasgow in the city center the other day. Um, I work at a place called the Cog Cafe, and um, I'd gone out to get groceries, um, some milk and just some normal things like that. And uh, on the way back, I was walking on Argyle Street, and I passed a blind man. Uh, we were walking in the same direction, but I was walking um, a bit faster than, was, than he was. He had a nightstick um, and everything, and I felt in my heart, I wanted to pray for him. Um, I, re I really like praying for, for sick people and just seeing God move, um, but I was, I was pretty scared to do it. Um, I was kind of intimidated, and um, so I passed him up, um, but the Lord gave me another opportunity. We stopped at the same traffic light, um, where the, the light was red, and so he came up and walked up alongside me, and I wanted to strike up conversation with him because I still wanted an opportunity to pray for God to do a miracle. And, uh, and so I said, can I ask you a question? Um, I was like, do you need any help? Um, just where you're going or anything like that? And uh, he was like, no, no, I'm fine. And <clears throat> really humble, really humble man, really, really wonderful guy. And uh, so I asked him, I said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Scott. And uh, I said, oh, my, name's, my name's Jason. Um, and I said, can I ask you just something that's gonna sound really crazy? And uh, he was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I said, um, do you want your sight back? And he said, son, he says, if I could get my sight back tomorrow, he says, I would. He said, but that's never going to happen. And that's impossible. And so I said, uh, well, Scott, um, just, just come here come here for a second. Um, and so I, I kind of helped him over the side of the road. Um, it was really busy that day. Lots of people around. So we stopped in front of the McDonald's. Um, and next to a bus stop, there was a lot of people sort of gathered around. So it was just a great opportunity to see, let a lot of people see what God was about to do. And so I said, Scott, um, just grab my hand. And he grabbed my hand and he said, Scott, just close your eyes. So he closed his eyes and um, I just pray um, like, like I know how to pray. And I just said, in Jesus' name, I command your eyes to open now. And uh, I just, just commanded light to come into him and everything like that. And I said, Scott, um, open your eyes, all right? And so he opened his eyes and he was just staring at me and he wouldn't talk to me. And so I was like, something's happening here. Scott, what's going on? I'm asking him, Scott, what's happening? And he wouldn't talk to me. And I said, Scott, what's happening? And by this time, tears were just rolling down his face, um, which was just, all, just really beautiful. And I knew, I knew God was doing something, but I didn't realize the full extent yet. Um, and I said, what's happening? And he said, I can see your face. And I was just, at that time, I was really taken back. Um, and I just, I honestly didn't expect a God to move just so powerfully then. And so um, I just got to sit and tell him about uh, Jesus who does miracles today. So. Amen. Amen. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Do you know, I'm talking about an endowment here. You may be going, you guys have got a lot of nerve. I could never do that. Yes, you could. God told you to do it. Do you know, my point in telling you and showing you those stories is sometimes you just get an impression. And then as you act upon that impression, you see miraculous things. So next time you're walking by McDonald's and you see a guy with a white stick, <laughs> now you know what to do. Now you know what to expect. Okay, here's the third thing. It's called a power encounter. Power encounter is a clashing of God's power with the power of Satan. Alan Tippett originally defined it, you know, where the gospel is preached in adverse circumstances, yet the gospel wins. And so we're going to look at this from, you know, Acts chapter 13, where Paul is going to talk to the pro-council. 
So it says here in verse 6, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Pathos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Now, here we see the stage is set. He wants to hear the word of God. Now, for sending from Paul, he set into motion a response on the part of Elimaeus, who represents the enemy. It says here, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So in other words, spiritual warfare is actually going here. Know where it's coming from. It's a man under an enemy's direction and empowering, trying to stop another man from hearing the truth concerning the gospel. Verse 9, then Paul, who was also called, sorry, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimaeus and said, you're a child of the devil, you're an enemy of everything that is right, you're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you, you're going to be blind for a time, you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. Now that kind of language is not designed or calculated to win friends and influence people, is it? That's real kind of serious. This is saying, we've got a gospel to preach and you're on the road, so get out the road. Notice the response. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed. What was he amazed at? Well, it says, at the teaching. But what teaching? He's not taught anything yet. Well, it's a graphically illustrated teaching that one guy has got more power than the other guy. One guy says something and another guy goes blind and he's like, I'm going to listen to the guy who's really got something to say here. Does that happen today? Yeah, we've seen power encounters many, many times. We were doing some evangelism in Byers Road, the street just down from our church. And I can remember uh, we were doing some leafleting and, you know, servant evangelism. And another guy came up to me and said, oh, what are you doing? And we explained it to him. And he said, I'm giving out some leaflets as well. He said, but I'm into transcendental meditation. He said, I used to be a Christian, tried that, done that, doesn't work for me. You Christians, you've no power, etc., etc. And then he started to kind of rubbish and slag off the churches. That means make mockery of the churches. Started to make fun of a church, and particularly one church that he used to go to where the pastor's a personal friend of mine. So I was starting to get a little bit annoyed, okay, as this started to, the guy went on and on. Uh, and it got to the point where I, was, I said something like, you know, you're bang out of order. What you need to do is get back to Jesus and get into a church. Now, before he'd actually, you know, started to slag off, he's saying, you know, Christianity is not that great. I used to be really nervous, and now I'm just cool and mellow, and I found that that makes me cool and mellow. And when I get upset with him and said, you're bang out of order, he jumped like that. And then he started shaking. In fact, he started bouncing all over the place, and I'm going, check this out. This is really weird. You know, and so, you know, you're, you're getting a bit more enthusiasm. So you're saying, you're really banging out of order. And he's shaking even more to the point where he went down in the ground. His kind of guru, who was kind of, you know, instructing the guys to give out leaflets, came over and he touched his shoulder and he started shaking. In fact, he's bouncing all over the ground as well. And I'm thinking, this is the most bizarre thing. These two guys doing the pogo, you know, on the streets, like <laughs> kind of thugs. Then another guy came over and he touched them and he starts bouncing. And it's like, it was honestly, it was like being at a Sex Pistols concert. You know, everybody kind of jumping and bouncing. And I'm thinking, you guys don't look so cool and mellow now. What I didn't realize was the power of God was kind of clashing, you know, with something that wasn't of God. 
And it still happens today. We still see God doing many, many amazing things. You see, that longing, and this is my theory, do you know, how do we experience these things? How do we get into that? Well, I've got a theory. I think the longing and expectancy for the kingdom to break in and see the impossible happen stems into two things. One, expectancy, i.e. living your life as if Jesus is coming back this afternoon before we even get through those doors. And will he find you pursuing the kingdom? Secondly, not allowing yourself to become distracted by the things of the world. I think that's the biggest thing that holds us back. In fact, Paul talking to Timothy says this, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also those who have longed for his appearing. Paul says, guys, look, I'm going to live my life for the cause. I'm going to spend my life. I'm going to invest my life for that moment when I finish crossing over the line here. And Paul healed the sick, didn't he? He cast out demons. He won the loss. And he led a life that was absolutely miraculous. The question is, are we living our lives that way? Would we be ready if Jesus came back today? Are we pressing into Jesus and living out his cause without becoming distracted? You see, for many of us, you know, life gets really busy, doesn't it? It creeps up in us, you know, so unassumingly. And maybe we felt that we've running, but maybe we've kind of got sidetracked a little bit. Maybe it's because you feel, I've got to build my career. Maybe it's, I want that house, I want that promotion, you know, there's a new job there. I've got a new relationship, you know, and many things will demand your time and your focus. And we're increasingly starting to think, ah, well, Jesus knows. He'll make allowances for me. No, he won't. No, he won't. The Bible is very clear that anything that we put in front of Jesus is an idol. And do you know what? Idols eventually control us, so they do. So I've got good news for you, and I've got bad news uh, for you this morning. The bad news is that you will not experience all that God wants you to experience if you allow yourself to continue to become distracted by the things of the world. The good news is, is I think the Holy Spirit wants to hit reset for most of us here today. That he resets our life. Let me say it this way. I uh, eventually bought one of these things, a GPS, you know, for my motorcycle. Uh, and I love it. I get really excited when I actually got it because now I save an absolute fortune and not getting lost because it takes me to where I'm supposed to be absolutely going. And the thing that I love about my GPS, my favorite part is that every once in a while, I've got this American lady, you know, that, that actually speaks on it. And she's got such an amazing voice. And she's like, turn left, you know. But for some reason, man, focus somewhere else. I kind of miss the turn, you know. And I always overshoot the turn whenever she says turn left. And I feel so bad. I'm like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> you know, I missed the turn. I missed, messed up again, you know. But, you know, if I don't listen to her, she, do you know what she does? The most amazing thing. She goes, recalculating. <laughs> That's all she does. She doesn't go like, hey, stupid. <laughs> you made the wrong turn again. Now I'm going to have all these hours of replanning your program. <laughs> all she does is recalculating. I love it. It's that American forgiving voice just so full of grace. Do you know? And for me, when she's saying recalculating, it's like saying, Jamie, you know what? You've made a wrong turn, but don't worry, son. I'm going to get you there. Do you know, it may take a little bit longer now, but listen to me and we'll get you there that time. 
And that's what I feel the Holy Spirit has said to me most of my life, as I've maybe made some wrong turns or got distracted at times. It's like he's saying, son, we're recalculating here. I'll get you there. You're still going to be the man that I've called you to be, and you're still going to do the things that I've called you to do. It might take a little bit more time, but if you listen to me, we'll actually get there. I'm recalculating. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you guys today in regards to how we pursue the kingdom that he's hitting pause. He's, he's recalculating your life. Do you know, Jesus said this, the thief only comes to kill, steal, destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And God is a God of new starts. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about the influence God's given you guys and the authority. We have a God in new starts. Let me show you a new start. Can we show that picture? This is a young girl that some of the, she doesn't like herself much. She's a self-harmer. And so the way she takes out her pain and thing is she cuts herself. That's the thief comes to destroy and kill kind of part. Some of the guys in the vineyard were praying for him. We took a series of photographs, you know, of uh, her condition. And I, I thought I had the one you know, the final photograph, I don't, this is actually in the sequence, she wore a big heavy jumper and a heavy shirt, but this is the part, as you can see, you can fade that now, this is, I came that they can have life and life to the fullest, you see, God for that girl, I wish he did it for every girl, said, I'm giving you a new start, but you know what, and he healed her brokenness, and he's opened, and she, she loves herself now, she's got a good, you know, opinion of herself, but also, can you imagine carrying that around for the rest of your life as a constant member? It's like, I'm not even going to give you new skin as a new start. That is the God we serve. That is the God that we need to introduce to our communities and make a difference. I'm going to finish there. What was I supposed to do? Tell you a story. Do you really want to hear? Yes. Nah, you don't. I thought you to like this. This is the best one ever. Do you really want to hear this? You sure? Okay. So they are. I really want to hear this story because this is the most amazing story ever. It's your story. It's the story that God wants to do through you. It's the miracles God wants to do through you that you will share. Because this is not supposed to be about guys like me standing up here and telling you all stories. This is about us as a body making history together because God has got a story for you to live out. A story that includes signs and wonders and salvations and healings. And I want you all to email me with your story. Come and visit me, chat my door, come in for a cup of coffee anytime. Not all at once, but maybe individually. <laughs> and I want to hear your stories because God has called us to make history together. Can we stand? Could I have the band up and I'd love to, to pray. And guys, please, I, I do apologize if you see me running out the door. I've got a flight just after one, so I need to go to the airport. But uh, I, I want to give God some space just now. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that we can come here as a people and be challenged by you, Lord. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you come and you have your way with us now. Come and release your kingdom to us, Father. Come and challenge us, Lord. Father, what is it you want to do just now with this group of people? 
you guys a couple of things uh, just very uh, quickly with you. I think the Lord's here. I think he, there's a couple of you that are sick in your body and we would love to get some guys to pray for you. Uh, but also there's, I've I seen a picture and I think it's someone's liver and I don't know if it's you or it's a, a relative. I'm thinking it's maybe a relative and they've just discovered spots. It's like wee black spots on, on the liver. And uh, what I'd like you to do is to come forward and start to intercede for them if it is, you know, get some folks around about you just to intercede and ask God. Because God, time and distance is, is nothing to God to actually do that. Uh, the second thing is, um, I believe someone's having a problem with a pancreas, and I don't know what the conditions are, but it's a pancreas kind of problem. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, it's also, here's the other thing, feel the Lord is challenging the numbers. You need to start getting into house groups. Uh, small groups where you can get built up, where you can be strengthened. Uh, some of you guys are having prophetic dreams and you don't know it. You're having dreams, and I think for some of you it was on Thursday evening, you were having specific dreams. You went, that is different. And it's a prophetic anointing that the Lord is putting you know, upon you. But the only place you're really going to grow in that you know, and, and you know, mature in that is if you get connected into small groups where people can you know, pray with you and kind of bounce things back you know, to you. The last thing is, is I believe the Lord is saying to many of you, this is the day. This is the day to recalculate. This is the day, you know, where we're going to start off afresh and we're going to do some new things. And I'd love for you guys to come forward and say, yep, I accept that, Lord. I'm yours. Here we go. Yeah, absolutely. So if I could have the ministry team come forward, and if those words apply to you as the liver, the pancreas, uh, we've had some words uh, for uh, other physical healing issues, uh, knee problems, uh, and, and then also uh, couples who are uh, infertility or trying to have a baby or it's not working right. Uh, we would love to be praying for you up here. And then for many of us, I, I think that word about the uh, recalculating is really good, that God's given us specific direction in our lives and we've just kind of ignored it or we've just kind of thought, you know, I'll get to that later. And, um, and he's, I, I just feel like he's offering to recalculate. And so there, there's this incredible uh, a strength of repentance when we just come up and say, hey, you know what? I, I want God to recalculate. I, I, I want him to lead me from here. And so if that's you, would you just come on up right now? If any of those words apply to you, just make your way up here right now. These guys are going to lead us in worship. And uh, I just encourage you to hang out in here, spend some time. Really allow y yourself to meet with the Lord Jesus. Uh, because he's here and he, and he really wants to do that. So come get some prayer. Mm. Other than that, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for coming to the vineyard today. And um, ha have a great rest of your weekend. <laughs>